0: All right, I'm going to stop recording. All right, psychology nerds, and welcome to another special episode of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of your hosts, and I'm here, as always, with my friend and co host Chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungis. How's it going, G?
1: It is going just great. I am so excited to talk about the topic that we're talking about today. So let's get started.
0: Yeah, we are. We're we have a couple of things going on right now that we should explain. Uh, not only is this a special episode that's happening for the Instructional Development Institute here at UW Green Bay, uh, it's it's another episode like our last one on making and keeping adult friendships that is tied to this year's common theme of loneliness, connection, and community. Uh, we are going to discuss some approaches to building community in institutions like ours. And we're going to do it using the expertise of a very, very good friend of mine, a brilliant social ecologist, and that friend, Georgina, is you.
1: Wow, that was so kind. <laughs> wow, I feel the connection. I really do. <laughs>
0: good. I, I am glad. So here's the thing. I want to give you the kind of intro that all of our guests get. So uh, hold on. We're going to do this right. Are you Ready. Ready. Excellent. So she's the chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program with an expertise in statistics, conservation psychology, and environmental psychology. She has a PhD in social ecology from the University of California, Irvine. And the most important thing for today is that her research is on how neighborhood design can foster or break down a sense of community in residential life. She has multiple Founders Awards from UW-Green Bay for teaching and collaborative achievement. It's Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungis. How's it going, Georgina?
1: (laughs) Wow, that was such a nice introduction. Thank you so much for that. I am so excited um, to be sharing kind of a different topic than I've ever talked about on the podcast. Uh, Typically, I talk about the conservation psych side of, of my my research and, and area of interest. And so I'm really excited to talk about sense of community. Uh, it kicks it back to my early as my earliest years as a researcher. And so I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I I should preface this by saying so for a very long time, your office has been right next door to mine and in it you've had all sorts of stuff up on the walls of your office about building community rooted in your expertise and so kind of what we've decided to do today is to take the principles of your expertise and apply them to institutions like ours, right? Where we've got people who, you know, work in one location, but also other locations. We've got people who are working virtually. We're going to talk about like what it takes to essentially build a, a neighborhood um, or a community, a neighborhood community, but how we can do that when you've got people who are working virtually, when you've got people who are, are working in different campuses and, and so on. Is that, is that a fair summary of what we're trying to do?
1: Absolutely, I think that uh, there's so much that we know about creating a sense of community when we think about neighborhoods, like places where people live. Um, but I think today we're just gonna try and take some of that wisdom and see if we can make it fit uh, in our particular institution or other institutions just like ours because higher ed is so different today than it was even a few years ago before the pandemic and we are we are more scattered we're more isolated and so that's how it relates to our 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 theme uh, as well the common cause theme about how can we create these connections and what do we know already from the brilliant researchers in urban planning and environmental psychology, and how can we use that wisdom to create community in our own workplaces or where we're learning? So that's what we're all about.
0: Excellent. So I have, before we get to some specific ideas uh, that that you shared with me in advance and that we're going to talk through, I guess I want to back up for a quick second and, and talk about, so why does a sense of community matter? What What is the upside to creating a, a, a neighborhood or a community?
1: You know, uh, it's really interesting. It kind of connects to our last podcast episode when we talked with uh, Dr. Regan Gurung about uh, creating uh, adult friendships. And I think that the social support that comes from those friendships also can come from Uh, Relationships that we would call a community, uh, a sense of community, a neighborhood, uh, people that you interact with on the daily, and uh, how they can help you uh, lower your stress, avoid loneliness, create value and meaning in your life, uh, help you when you need help, and all sorts of benefits uh, that I think. That, that come from building that sense of community,
0: right. And I, I have to imagine that that sense of community is associated with let's let's take it into the work environment is associated with morale, workplace happiness, a whole bunch of of health outcomes and things like that. So it matters for a, a lot of different people uh, involved uh, involved here. So not just the individuals, but the institution's health as a whole.
1: And sometimes when we talk about the workplace, like if we're calling the university our workplace, uh, we we often tend to use words like morale uh, instead of sense of community. Mm-hmm. But I think in some ways they mean the same thing, uh, you know, like the campus climate or the campus right. morale. I feel like what we're talking about is are we connected To each other? And are we moving in the same direction? Do we support each other? And do we feel like we belong? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important part of the workplace.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I I agree with you. And, you know, I was also thinking too, that like, some of this, and I think kind of use this to segue into some of the ideas you sent me in advance here is that it feels like so much of this uh can come from lots of different pockets in any institution that you know that building morale is a is a and building community building that sense of sense of positive climate is something maybe a a responsibility we can all share in and all participate in and it feels like that's a big part of of what we need to be thinking about and doing right now as we sort of encounter this transition is that fair Uh,
1: absolutely and i think You know, as an environmental psychologist, a lot of this research is done by designers, by Mm -hmm. architects and by community planners, but we don't do the same sort of community building design in uh, our institutions of higher education. And so maybe we can take a point or two Mm -hmm. from designers about intentionally creating places, uh, and circumstances that could help us build community.
0: Right, right. All right. Well, let's let's get into it because you sent me uh, a, quite a not a not a handful somewhere between a handful and a lot of ideas. <laughs> um, let's let's start running through them. And and what I'm hoping we'll do is I can just you know share some of the things you came up with. You tell me what it means, and then we can talk about how does this how could this potentially be applied to an institution that that has people not just working in one specific place like a neighborhood, but people working in lots of different places meeting virtually as we are now and and so on. So the first thing you suggested was look up when you're walking. Tell me about this one.
1: Okay. So um, just so that the the listeners know, I took these ideas from uh, the environmental psychology literature. So I didn't make these up myself. They're very well researched and they work very well in residential environments. And so I'm taking these great ideas that are empirically based and trying to make it our own. And so this, this concept of looking up when you're walking so that Uh, when you're walking down the street of your neighborhood in uh, in the residential setting, in order to like affiliate with others and to notice your neighbors and to, to build some rapport with them, you actually have to like, Look up when you're walking mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that you're making eye contact, that you're actually um, communicating with them in some way. And so I was trying to think about it's pretty easy this one when you think about in person, like, right, um, like it's akin to walking down the hall of one of our our academic buildings, and instead of looking down or looking at your phone. Or looking at you know the materials for your class that you're headed to or whatever uh, you actually look up, make eye contact with others who are walking down the hall as well, smile, say hello, just noticing people is shockingly uncommon, <laughs> and uh, so it does help build. Uh, an environment where people feel noticed and uh, appreciated and maybe even feel like, Hey, I could go and talk to that person. They seem very friendly. The word friendly comes to mind. Um, But then I was thinking about how could we look up while we're walking online. Right. And I was thinking about a meeting that I was in uh, virtually the other day and how, there were maybe, I don't know, like 12 or 15 people in this meeting and everyone was there and it was before the meeting started and nobody was saying anything. And people had their cameras off or they had their cameras on, but they weren't looking. And it was so awkward. And I thought, this is a great example of a time where we could look up, just turn on your camera, look up, look at other people and comment on something be like hey hey Georgina that's a really cool background behind you I have this really cool winter uh tree picture in in my Mm -hmm. background on zoom Uh, and so just noticing and saying something uh during a meeting like right before it starts would be great what do you think Ryan
0: yeah. Well, first of all, I want to just confess, but also make a pledge that I am guilty of looking down when I'm uh, when I'm looking around campus. Uh, I actually noticed it just today that I was walking to class, I was looking at my phone um, and I actually had a moment where I looked up because I was thinking about this specific talk. And I noticed there was a, a colleague that I don't see very often walking towards me. He said hello. I said hi back. He wished me happy holidays. And it was so, it's it's funny, this this is, uh, normally things don't work, work out as well as this, but your, uh, your point was made uh, very, very clearly in an interaction I had earlier today. I, I agree with you too, that, you know, there's a thing that I sort of miss about in-person meetings, which is that time before a meeting starts when yes. you're not, you don't have to be on task. You're, uh, you're just there maybe waiting for someone to, waiting for some people, or it's just not ready to start. And you're just talking to people about, uh, you know, what you got coming up or what you did over the weekend or whatever. And so finding ways to to replicate that um, in a in a virtual environment is important. Um Let's talk about art for all. This is one of the things on your uh, on your list for me. Create art for all.
1: Yes. So uh, this has to do also with the concept of belonging, which is related and part of creating a sense of community is feeling like when you are in the space, whatever that space might be, that you feel like you personally belong there. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we can signal like, passively it's not an active signal it's a passive signal is to uh have art placed in the space whether it's virtual or uh in person uh that tells people that they belong all people um Mm -hmm. and so that they can see themselves in the artwork that is created there um i think this is a, a great way uh to show people that they're seen and that there's representation in the environment of people who look like them or things that they're interested in. And so I feel like this is a great one for universities uh, mm-hmm. to have um, like murals, for example, we have a really great mural in our IS um, tunnel, uh, part, uh, that is a really cool representation of different cultures and different humans, mm-hmm. uh, in this mural. And I think that that's a great a- idea to have sort of artwork uh, that represents all people who might be walking down that hallway.
0: Um,
1: yeah.
0: I, Sorry, I was just going to say the other thing, too, related to that we have a, you know, on our campus and I think most campuses, there's a there's a gallery on campus, actually a couple of galleries on campus. They have um, oftentimes have student work. Um, There's a student show every semester. So that's another opportunity, too, for people to see themselves and to see their work out there on display and and in in a meaningful way. There's also tons of opportunity here on online, which I think you're about to get to. Yeah,
1: I was going to say. I, I think that one of the ideas that I came up with is curating your background uh, mm-hmm. on your Teams or Zoom or whatever platform you're using uh, to show something that you're interested in or some part about you that you're sharing with others. I try to do this all the time with different nature pictures, uh, and it has sparked conversations in every meeting that I go to. It's such a great way to. Uh, to invite people to create mm-hmm. that community. And so I often think if you're having a, a monthly meeting with the same people that you challenge them to change their background right before the meeting, uh, and then you see whatever you know they come up with, uh, like what's your February background? What's your April background? I think that that's a fun way to sort of have art-ish for all.
0: Yeah. No, I, well, and I would argue too, that there is something to be said just for the, the, the art we, we already have in our offices in various ways. Right. And so, you know, the, the opportunity we talk about curated backgrounds and sometimes it's even, we even talk about it sort of as a, as a, as a joke or like the idea that spending time on that that is unimportant, but I think what I would argue is no, it, it might actually be really important because it signals something about you and what you care about. It might be something that um, kind of tells other people what you're interested in, but also um, it it serves as a, a talking point for people. Absolutely. Well, what does it mean to moving on here to a, another one? What does it mean to be neighborly? And that is in quotes in the uh, in the in the thing you sent me. So, what does it mean to be neighborly?
1: Well, we have this term. I, I think that we all know what the term neighborly means, but I, when I wrote it down, I thought, wow, that implies a neighborhood, right? Right? <laughs> like if you are neighborly, that means that you're a neighbor who lives in a neighborhood. And I thought, wow, we don't use that word very often when we talk about our community at the, at the university, mm-hmm. but I think we should, we should consider ourselves um, to be neighbors, that that we live in the same neighborhood, we work in the same neighborhood, and that we should be neighborly to each other. And this is the uh, the the quintessential. Would you um, go to your neighbor if you needed a cup of sugar to finish your holiday cookie recipe or whatever? Um, and would your neighbor? share that cup of sugar with you. Uh, so I think I was trying really hard and I might need your help on this one, Ryan, uh, to come up with what is the equivalent of borrowing a cup of sugar at the university?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I have an answer to that specifically. I, I will tell you in my, in my home life, I've never once borrowed a cup of sugar. <laughs>
1: have, you, have you ever done that? I have borrowed eggs. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Yes, so totally. And, and a um, shovel. <laughs> I've borrowed, I yes. borrowed lots of things from my neighbor. Oh, you know what? I just thought of something. Um the other day, one of our colleagues who was on the podcast, uh, Abby Nearcorn Bailey, uh, mm-hmm. earlier this semester, she needed uh, the APA manual. Oh,
0: there you and,
1: go. Um, so we found one, or she borrowed a, a copy of mine, and we looked up something like how to reference something. So maybe the APA manual is yes. our cup of sugar in psychology. <laughs> I don't know.
0: There you go. Well, I mean, I think if we wanted to just broaden out it, in some ways, what it really means is like, be there for people in when they when they need help with things and and do our best to be and this this applies I think in both the in-person and virtual world to the degree that you can is you know to try and be the kind of colleagues that are there for people who need help with something um, to also be willing to reach out to people when you need help with something and um you know the idea that that that's in some ways what it means to be a good um, kind of the, the phrase I think we do sometimes use in, 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 institutions is like a good departmental citizen, right? You know, yes. you're, 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 uh, you're being there for people in, in these ways at the moment and making sure that they're, that, that you're there to sort of help meet their needs and, and vice versa. Um, I,
1: some, I sometimes uh, think that the word neighborly uh, is a little bit smaller scale and it seems easier yeah, uh, then being a departmental citizen sounds like a big ask, um, right. but being a neighbor seems really just like be kind. Right. Like I, I think it's it seems a lot smaller scale and a lot easier to accomplish.
0: The psychologist in me right now is wondering if I wore this cardigan today because <laughs> I was going to be channeling some sort of inner Mister Rogers uh, neighbor sort of thing, huh? Is, I love that. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, speaking of uh, speaking of neighbor being neighborly. What is a mixed use neighborhood, and how can we create that in an in a institution like ours?
1: Yep. So, one of the things that that uh, environmental psychologists know when they're building neighborhoods is that having everything all just one thing very homogenous does not do very well uh, for creating a sense of community uh, outside of that small part of homogeny so uh, creating mixed use means doing some apartments and some houses and some duplexes and some stores and restaurants and um, mixing it up so that people are uh, bumping into other people who are doing different things and living in different circumstances, um, different age groups, all all sorts of things uh, can happen to create a better sense of community if you mix things up. And I think one of the things that we're really guilty of is very siloed uh, in our offices and in our departments at the university Uh, and I think that if we can um, create spaces where people are mingling or using that space and they're coming from all different parts of the university from students to staff to faculty to um, you know, administrators and they're bumping into each other. The, there's opportunities uh, to talk to all sorts of people. And I think one of the great mixed uses uh, of a university is typically the union. And mm-hmm. I think that our union uh, is a great example of that. Our coffee shop in particular is a great place to bump in to the, you know, like the chancellor comes and buys his coffee there. Um, Others, everyone goes there and it's a great place uh, to sort of get out of your silo and uh, collaborate with others coming from all sorts of places.
0: Yeah, this is the thing that I think, because I I agree. I mean, I think a way of uh, I've been thinking about this is to be thoughtful about spaces, right? And, and whose offices are by, whose offices, and where you're spending your time, but also how you're interacting with the people in those spaces. And and to be really thoughtful about that. And I think the union and the coffee shop is a great example of actually being intentional about going and spending time in those places. I will also admit, this is one where I actually really feel like when I was working purely virtually, was really hard to, to figure out a solution to. Um, how do you, because so much of the work, one of the things I discovered about halfway through, maybe even earlier it, that I really missed was bumping into people, right? Yes. Uh, you know, like uh, walking down the hall and seeing that so-and-so's door was open and popping my head in and just saying hello and seeing how they were doing. And and maybe we talked about work or maybe we talked about something else, but having those conversation. I think it does a, a couple of things one I, I think it's a it's a reminder it's sort of there's a there's a humanizing piece to it it's a it's a reminder that that we all have stuff going on in our lives and that that we're all people and that that um you know so having some of those non-work related conversations ends up being really valuable time but the other piece is just Ideas come up in those conversations that are really valuable. That are that end up being work related, even even though that wasn't necessarily uh, the intent. And so, I, I don't know yet how to replicate this in in when we're talking about people who aren't in the same physical space. I don't know what that looks like. And, and now is a good time maybe to say, look, if you're listening to this on the podcast and you and you want if you have ideas. Yes. Tweet them at us or share them with us. Um we're gonna I'm at Anger Professor, it's at Psych and Stuff and all of those different places you can find us there. I really want to hear those ideas. If you're at the idea at conference, I think there's a discussion forum where you can share your ideas on this or anything else. Um go ahead and do that because I think this is a thing that feels like there's right now probably a void. Um and I don't know if you agree, Georgina.
1: I, I do, although I think one thing we can do is make sure that people feel invited to the room mm-hmm. whatever that room might be and so you know like there's no virtual coffee house room in our in our university life but we do have meetings mm-hmm. and there are lots of people except for our very small like inclusive group that could contribute to that and so opening up meetings to others and inviting them into the space and and making them feel welcome and their ideas welcome uh, is a really great start. I was thinking about our in our psychology department that our professional advisors uh, physically moved to work out Mm -hmm. of our space, our physical space, but they also come to our meetings and uh, our in a, an important part of our community there. And so um, just inviting people to become part of your community in those spaces.
0: I like it. Look, I think we have time for maybe one more before we have to finish up. Is is there any, I, I have some that I can pull from, but is there anything you want to make sure we absolutely talk about? Are you good?
1: I... I don't, so you pick one. <laughs> okay,
0: I'm going to go with start a tradition. I, I like this one. Um, so what does it mean to start a tradition and what does that look like?
1: Yep, and so I I think it, it's pretty well known that starting traditions helps build a sense of community. People gather together to celebrate traditions, uh, makes them feel included and important. Uh, and if it happens year after year, Uh, It creates those core memories that can be passed down to generations. And I think that that is a wonderful way um, to create a sense of community, not only in the present, but it connects us to the past and to the future. And that's a really nice thought to think about. And so um, one of the traditions that I started in my classes is that every Monday morning, we start off with tell us something good. Like, I don't care who talks and who who shares or what they share. Uh, and it varies every week. But I love starting off the class uh, with students just voluntarily sharing something good that's happened to them. And then sometimes we clap. And sometimes we show pictures of new pets or, um, you know, weddings and whatever. And they just hand me my phone, their phone. And I put it on the doc cam and we share it. You can do that virtually as well in a meeting where you just have people share their screen with a picture from some awesome thing that's happening. So I think that that's a great tradition, something for people to look forward to and um, to create a good vibe for a beginning of something, a beginning of a week, a beginning of a month or a year. So that's my idea. Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: No, I, I, I'm just gonna say it's funny that. So I literally, once again, and I'm convinced that it's like, I read this list last night when you sent it. And then whether I realized it or not, just was doing these things today. So uh, I actually asked this very question of my, uh, my psychopathology students today and heard everything from taking a trip coming up to celebrating someone's birthday to, to all sorts of stuff. So uh, very cool. I, I like that. And I agree, you know, um, I will tell you, I'm I'm on a community board right now where whenever we have a meeting, which is once a month, we start out that meeting by like reflecting on the values of the organization and then and then people providing just a handful of examples of how they've seen the organization live those values. Um, and it's uh, you know, in some ways I, I get that that sounds a little cheesy, but to take three minutes at the outset of a meeting mm-hmm. and just say, hey, uh, what have we seen? And, you know, it's usually just one or two, three people throw out an example. And it's a nice way to start meetings before you um, before you kind of get to to the work of that meeting reminds people why we're all here. So cool. I, I feel sad that we're coming up on the end here because there's a lot of other good stuff, some of which we've said. Like, And I'm just going to throw these out, highlight a handful of things. Ask for help when you need it uh bake extra and share uh i I like that one a lot i should tell people i've just been eating chocolate all day long because my my secret santa gave me chocolate they know my weakness and uh i'm yeah it's the struggle is real so um just tons of great ideas and you know what we i want to uh to hear from you all so discussion forum tweet at us whatever it takes georgina Throw some final thoughts out to people uh, as we as we wrap this episode up.
1: I just hope that something has sparked your curiosity that you think about, how could I do that? How could I help create a sense of community where I live or work?
0: Yes. I love it. And I think, you know, we are, I, I know, it feels weird to say, like, as we come out of the pandemic, because I think a lot of us know, we are not really out of the pandemic, The things are are still uh, a concern in a lot of areas. Our work lives have changed, and they may have changed permanently, right, uh, In in a lot of ways. And I think we need to acknowledge that and accept that and think about what it means to uh have a community in this uh in this new type of work environment and uh, i think it's it's really important so i want to thank you georgina for sharing your expertise with all of us this has been fascinating i can also i admit see a lot of it in your work as chair of the psychology program so thank you for that as well um georgina where can people find you on social media
1: on at g-e-o-r-j-e-a-n-n-a-w-d
0: excellent so that's at georgina W D. I i am at anger professor you can find me in all the places twitter facebook instagram tiktok youtube wherever um make sure to check out at psych and stuff on twitter facebook and instagram that is a place where you can share your ideas with us you can ask questions you can even request topics for future episodes Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Rachel Scray. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek, and our graphic designer is Kimberly Vlice. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungis. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dungis. Keep being amazing.